Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Let's head to Grand Prairie. Bruce, how are you today? Hey, morning, Jim. Good to talk to you. I appreciate the call. Uh, my question is, I moved here in July uh, last summer. Bought a house here, a real nice house, three-bedroom home in Grand Prairie, moving from Seattle, Washington, which is way different weather. Uh, the house is in pretty darn good shape, but I'm wanting to check out my soffit vents. And I pulled a couple of them away from the soffit area and found that one, uh, one out of four were plugged. So I'm going through all my soffit vents, make sure that uh, good air filtration going up through to the top of the attic. My question is, I've got three whirlybirds, and I don't know if you're a real advocate for the whirlybirds. And if not. not, what are my what are my options on the on the vent, venting out the uh, top of the attic? You know, and truthfully, the whirlybirds is probably one of my least favorite ways of venting. Uh, people think when it's spinning up there, it's really doing something. It, it really isn't doing a whole heck of a lot. Um, my favorite is a ridge vent if you've got enough ridges if not i've got i've uh, got ridge i got ridge vents and saw and you got whirly birds both yes yes yeah see that's that's the that's maybe one of the reasons why the ventilation isn't working right you can't mix and match them uh because gotcha. the ridge vent you know as hot air rises it goes up and out through the ridge vent well where's going to draw new air in yep. path of least resistance is right there through that whirly bird that's right on top of it so oh, wow uh yeah if you if you got ridge fence what i would suggest is just closing up the whirly birds and let the ridge fence do their job huh now what do you got for soffit vents though how soffit far apart are they just the the uh, they're about uh, four feet apart, and they're just oh. a, what is it, uh, eight inch by sixteen inch or whatever that that normal grid vent that you can buy okay. at Home Depot. Yep, um, and there's lots of them. <laughs> that's good because so many times I'll ask people that and they're twenty feet apart, and that's just not enough. Oh. Uh, rule of thumb is for every hundred and fifty feet of attic space you have, you need one. Yep foot of ventilation and so there's no such thing as too much soffit vent but if you'll put uh you know close up those whirly birds and leave the ridge vent up there and let it draw air through those soffits you got a great system going what happens if the i've heard i've read some stuff online the temps up in your attic in this neck of the woods can get upwards of 130, 140 degrees in the attic? Yep. Is that, is that okay? Is that common? It is. I mean, it, it gets up there 130, 140 degrees. With the ventilation working, usually you're going to be down in the 120 to 130 range. Uh, okay. So it, it's not quite as bad. Uh, you know, the the ventilation in the attic is for two things. One, temperature control, and two, humidity control. Right, and so right. it, it's, it's you know, people start worrying about the air conditioning system. Oh, it's having to work in too hot of an environment and stuff. It's designed to work in that attic. 
that's nothing to worry about. If you want to help with your energy bills, then what I tell you is to start taking a look at uh, Radiant Barrier. And in my own house, I have actually two Radiant Barriers. I have the plywood that has the Radiant Barrier on it. Uh, and then I use the Energy Q radiant barrier on the attic floor. And what that does is it keeps the heat that does get in the attic from going into what insulation I do have. Because, quite frankly, somewhere between 25 and 30% of my house has no insulation in the attic. Uh, I just use the radiant barrier that stops the heat transfer. And I do just fine. I mean, my, my electric bill runs me about $200 on a on a house that's a little over 3,000 square feet, and uh, that's summer and winter. This came from uh, Delita in Azel. Our daughter is building a house in New Mexico. It is in the mountains. They have gotten a soil sample showing shale about nine foot down. Under this is clay. The company hired by the builder says they will have to put concrete pilers 15 foot down, and this will run about, I'm assuming this is 100,000. We are trying to find out if there are any other options. Do you have any suggestions? Well, here's, here's my, uh, I guess, my dilemma on, on how you worded this. The company hired by the builder says, okay, so that would be the engineer. And quite frankly, if the engineer is saying that's how deep it should go, that is what you need to do. The biggest mistake people make is they start mitigating the cost rather than looking at, you know, what's the downside. As an example, I mean, I make no bones about it on the show here. I'm in the foundation repair business. And so often when I get involved in houses that are less than 10 years old, There'll be a soils report that said it should have had piers that were 25 feet, for instance. Uh, and because of the cost, they only put them 15. Well, you bought the problem then. I mean, the, the soils report, the engineer recommended putting them in at that depth for a reason. And yeah, I'm, I'm working on a, a building right now in College Station. Uh, actually, I'm doing three buildings there, and I'm I'm up uh, over two million dollars on this project because the soils reports and the soil prep wasn't followed properly. So, absolutely follow those soils reports. It's a whole lot less expensive to do it that way than to come back after the fact and pay to have it done. So that truly would be my recommendation. Now, if you think they made a mistake on it, you can actually take that soils report and have another engineer take a look at it and make a recommendation. And that, then you know you can decide, hey, which one do you want to go with? But always, always, if you're getting ready to build, get a soils report. Not just in the neighborhood, because you know, track builders will do it just in a neighborhood. But you want it on your lot. The soils change from place to place. I mean, I see soil samples sometimes where there's more than one on on a single lot, and it's different. But definitely always get it on your property. Clay 
Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. All right, Jim. We had a bathroom remodeled, and the shower floor is um, the pitch towards the drain. Uh, the floor actually holds some water in the middle. So, you know, obviously we've been using squeegees to get that water to that drain hole, but that floor was tiled. Okay. So how do we fix the floor to get that pitch correct? We'd have to rip the tile out, obviously, but how do you get that pitch correct to the is, drain? It, I'm assuming since uh, it's, uh, it's out of... Uh... You know, it doesn't have the right pitch to it that it's a mortar base underneath there. Is that correct? It was. It, it was a sand. I watched the installers put it in. It was a it was a mortar sand mix yep. that they poured in there, and they were supposed to get that floor correct, but it did not get the, uh, they did not get the pitch right. When right. So you got one or two choices. One, you can either cap what's there and, and just go where it's a little bit thicker, or... That actually would chip out pretty easily and just repour it and, and get the right pitch. So just repour it is the is the only way you're gonna be able to do that. And how hard is that to you take very all simple. that sand out then is what you're Yeah, you basically that, that stuff will will chip out of there pretty easily and you'll just start from scratch with your base again and, and bring it back up. Okay. All right, fair enough. Is there somebody do you recommend somebody? Because we paid somebody to put that floor in for us. And, and How long ago did you have it put work. in? Oh, less than a year probably, but we tried to get them out here out to fix it, and it's not working out, so I'd rather just pay somebody to do it or do it myself. Yeah. We, You know, I don't have a problem doing it ourselves. We're pretty savvy. I mean, we put the entire bathroom together and gutted it and put it in, and we paid the floor to get it done, and we paid the plumbing to be done. And the things that we paid for was the floor didn't work. (laughs) That was everything else worked fine. Well, here's the only thing you're going to have to be careful of when in taking it out uh, would be there's going to be a rubber mat under it. Yeah. There is and, a mat. Yep. Yeah, and you just got to be careful that you don't puncture it because that mat comes up the walls uh, behind yeah. the tile, and you don't want to have to remove the tile on the walls. So just uh, carefully remove what's there, and really just hitting it with a hammer is it, going to crack up and be able to come out in the pieces and pour mm-hmm. the new base and, and put tile on it. and. You know, if if you've done so much of that stuff yourself, I I think you could handle this very easily. We watched them put it in, and we were like, "Man, we can do that." And then, yeah. we, then when we tiled it, we found out that the tiling there were spots in there that didn't have that pitch right. Yep. And and um, but that makes sense to me. I mean, the as long as you don't puncture that rubber uh, sealer between the the floor and that. And where they poured that sand on top of it, yeah, everything should be fine. Absolutely, okay. and you know what? One of the the uh, tricks is to make sure you use a good trowel to get a nice, smooth, glassy type finish on the top of it. Yep. Uh, because that just water's going to go between the grout lines in the tile, and it just makes it easier for the water to travel to the drain that way. Okay. Fair enough. That's okay. what I needed. I appreciate it. Take care, Clay. Adam, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I know this, Adam. <laughs> yep, 
<laughs> All right, for everybody listening, this I, I is told my. You I was going to call in this week. You did. I didn't think you were serious. This is my son, Adam. So what's up? So, I know you've talked about it on the show. Doing a remodel at my house. Um, Valerie's getting a little anxious to start looking at flooring for the house, um, and she really wants to put wood floors into the kitchen. We're and going back over that again. With- yeah, and haven't worked with you for so long. I've seen it so many times where that just doesn't work out. And in my opinion, wood floors in the kitchen is for people that don't use their kitchen. But I really Look. wanted to get your take on it. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I thought I thought we'd put this to bed. I won't do wood floors in the kitchen. Period. Uh, and and the main reason is wood does not hold up to moisture. Now, if you want the look of wood. You can go and, like, at Floor and Decor, they, they've got, uh, like, four different brands of of uh, materials that look like wood that are laminates that you could put in and not have to worry about moisture. But the things that kill those wood floors in the kitchen, the dishwasher. I mean, not only can the dishwasher develop a leak, and quite frankly, almost every dishwasher does develop a leak, at some point in time but just the steam coming off of a dishwasher blowing on that wood floor discolors it the refrigerators you know we almost all of them have ice makers and water dispensers in them they leak at some point in time and ruin those wood floors and we're not even getting into the kitchen sinks and stuff like that yet so i mean i've always taken the stance i just plain will not put real wood in a kitchen, and I thought I made that clear to Valerie before this. I thought so too, but she likes to reiterate <laughs> things sometimes. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, I mean, if she wants the look of wood, uh, AquaGuard and some of those other AquaTech and stuff like that that uh, are available at Floor and Decor, they look like wood, they feel great on your feet, uh, and they're water resistant and waterproof, so you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, and I was really wanting to go with the wood-look tile, but she keeps going back to she doesn't want to have to clean grout every once in a while, so yeah. maybe looking at those different things would be... Well, and, and honestly, option. Adam, uh, you know, I know you've got a dog in the house uh, that is mm-hmm. comes through part of the house. Uh, those floors would actually hold up better to the dog nails walking on it than a wood floor would. And... Uh, mm-hmm. I'm expecting some grandkids from you, and they'll hold up better to the grandkids, too. Hey, you you know what the timeline is for that. <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, mean, we definitely we can take a look at that. Let's head out to Cameron. And, Richard, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Well, thank you for taking my call, Jim. I appreciate it. Enjoy my your pleasure. show and get a lot of knowledge from you. So uh, I've got a question today. Uh, I've uh, recently inherited... Uh, a home uh, in Austin that uh, uh, belonged to a friend of mine who uh, passed away. And uh, this is in a subdivision, uh, probably built in the mid-60s. Uh, this house is, uh, uh, it has the, I'm not sure what kind of siding it is on the outside. It looks like plywood uh, to me. And it's got uh, lab uh, ever, I guess, to cover up the uh uh, to cover up where the where the seams are, where they nailed it to the studs, 
but down probably half of it around the whole house is is rotten up maybe uh, 18 inches or or so, and it's going to have to have be that's going to have to be you know replaced. But sure, house is going to be. Uh, I don't know if I'll just turn it and sell it or uh, keep it as a rental property. I'm not. My son wants to keep it as a rental property. I don't really want to mess with it, but. Uh, at any rate, I was wondering what would be, on a situation like that, what would be the best uh, way to, to uh, you know, to cover that house with sure. something that would... How uh, far apart cost. are those lath boards? Are they, are they about 12 inches or, or four foot? No, it's just like, it's just like uh, sheet plywood they put on there with, okay. a, a, you know... I'll tell you what, Richard, I'm going to come right back to you. i got to take this real quick break, and I, I've got a solution for you. I'll be right back with you. When we left, uh, I was talking with Richard, and Richard, uh, it's, it's only rotten on, on the uh, bottom portion, correct? Right. I, I figured I could probably... Uh, it's got lath or, right. or strips that... I guess go up on on each stud where you know to cover the seams of this Correct. stuff. But it's just uh, it's just it looks like uh, you know a, a, a little better grade plywood. You know it doesn't have any texture or anything on it. And right. It, but it's and, just and, yeah, and, it, and they used to do that quite often. And I tell you what I would do is I'd come up about three feet or so, cut it all the way across. Okay. And I'd put I'd put hardy siding as a lap siding on that bottom three feet or so Mm -hmm. and then i'd go in on the upper part and i'd add more strips between the existing strips to give it that batten look up there where they're only 12 inches apart and that would modernize the look of the home because that's being done on a lot of new homes right now and it'd be really inexpensive and not uh you know use up a lot of material Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Jeff, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. (laughs) Hallelujah. I hope you can help me with this. I had a regular light fixture out on the patio, right? Uh Uh, Uh-huh. And and, and, uh, I took it down and, and put a ceiling fan up there that I think had, of course, it had its own light fixture as well. And, um, and, and ever since I put it there, well, it, it kind of would flicker every now and again. Now they're just kind of go off and on. And right. I'm like, geez. So I took it, I took a ladder back out there, took it down again, I confirmed my, you know, connections are good with the little wire nuts and, um, and then flickered again. Uh, and, and it's, you know, and so I was like, well, geez, maybe I need a heavier duty switch. So I, I went and got a heavier-duty switch, and um, it's still doing it, man. I, I don't know. Okay. And, and well, Jeff, i got to put you on hold for just a minute because i got to take a quick break. We were talking with uh, Jeff down in Leak City when we left, and he's got a, a, a ceiling fan he put up that's uh, flickering. And, and what's flickering is the light on the ceiling fan, correct? That is correct, yes. Now, does the fan itself seems to ha- have any issues with the uh, power supply? Is it just the the light? Uh, just the light, uh, I, su- I would suppose. I, okay. I can't remember ever having a fan and seeing it stall for a second and pick right up because it's like a yeah. flicker, you know. And, and the reason I'm 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 asking that, you know, there's a, a little bit of a wire harness that runs from the ceiling fan to the light fixture. 
And Correct. even though the connections all are good, I'm betting that there's something loose in that harness somewhere that's causing this. And it's probably from not the in the fan to the from the fan to the light to the kit. Harness, yeah. To the light yeah. kit. Got it. Yep. Um mm. How much of an outage are, are we? Are we talking just a real quick flicker, or does it go out and then come back on a, a second or two later? No, no, no. It's it's a, it's a, it's a flicker, you know. Okay. It's like well, maybe just a I don't know, a second or um, maybe half a second, perhaps, or something yep. like that. You know. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that's where it's going to be. Now, it is possible for. <laughs> there to be a, a short somewhere else that's causing it and the fan the only reason you don't see it is because it's moving but uh my my guess is since the light was working prior with no problem no problem that it, at all. yeah it's going to be in that wire harness then so that, that, that almost makes me think that i i don't know how long it's been out there now but it almost seems makes me think that i should Take it back to who it was. I mean, I'm, I can certainly look myself, but that requires, you, you know, pulling it all, everything down again. Yeah, and, and, and quite honestly, butt. it's going to be one of those things that you probably won't even find up there. Oh, jeez. Well, I hope, so, I, mean, I hope they stand behind it. You know, I don't know what the warranty is on it, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I'm sure most of them have high. anywhere from a two-year to a five-year warranty on them. Hallelujah. Okay, I love it. All right, I, I can do that. That's that. Yeah, I think you've actually just talked me right into my solution. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. All right. Hey, take care. Hey, take care. Bye. Wanda in Sunnyvale, and she says the paint on the interior of my garage is peeling really bad. What is the best way to remove the peeling paint, and what is the best product to use to paint so I don't have this problem again? Thanks, Wanda. Well, Wanda, uh, the best way to take it off is literally just take a putty knife or a six-inch uh, sheetrock knife and scrape it off. It'll, it'll it'll peel right off. Then you're going to want to primer it with like a pri uh, primer sealer. I personally like to use Zinser, and you can repaint it. I'm going to tell you up front, it will probably happen again. Uh, the the norm is for this in a garage to be like 15 20 years apart and it's simply the heat in the garage builds up so much that it peels this kind of stuff off uh is there something you can do to to stop it i have not seen anything uh because i i see this happen quite often it's just a matter of cleaning it up and repainting it again so hopefully that'll uh take care of that issue for you. Stephen, how can I help you? Uh, yeah, I was calling to see what, what I could possibly be dealing with. I have a home that was built four years ago. No major issues, but I have an interior uh, utility room with, uh, of course, the washer and dryer connections. The dryer, dryer vent goes you know, up through the attic you know, to the top of the roof. And I seem to have a water moisture issue you know, nine-tenths up, up the wall. But I have no water source inside the wall because I've cut out an access hole to look to see what's behind there. There's uh -huh. no water on the overflow stack. And the only other pipe that's in the wall is the vent for the dryer. Can yeah. the dryer be generating 
enough heat to create moisture that's coming through the yes. sheetrock? Absolutely. Okay. If, if we've got cold temperatures and then that heat, uh, it can absolutely start sweating. Okay. Now, sweating to a point. Other, I mean, it's 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 a size of like a it's a two by two, and it just like it you see it, it's almost like it's streaming down the wall. The moisture and it and, and does it only do it when the dryer's running, or have you watched to see if it's happening when it rains? I haven't paid attention about the rain part. I I uh, have to take you know a, a better look at that. But I I've, I'm just trying to find some type of source of water in the wall, and, and there's no moisture on any pipes or anything when I've gone into it. But right, and again, I haven't run the dryer when I'm in there. It it, it tends to get a little warm on that pipe. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they definitely will do that, uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be one of two things: either either the the cold air is mixing with the warm air, and that's what's causing it to sweat, or you, when it rains, you could be having water come down the pipe, and that can leak into the wall as well. But typically, if it's the the rainwater, it's not going to be consistent enough to, you know. You would normally notice that it's only happening when it rains. Gotcha. Okay. Is there any? Is there anything? You know, like should I run the dryer then at a lower temp instead of running it at high temp to help maybe offset the, you know, the moisture and? No, I, I, I tell you what I would be looking for is where the pipe comes up into the attic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, it, there's got to be some type of chase that goes down for that four-inch uh, mm-hmm. vent pipe to be in. And yes, up in the attic, it may be open to the cold air that's in the attic. This could be as simple as just putting some insulation around that pipe. Okay. Uh, that it, it goes down into the chase to keep the, the cold air from dropping down into it. Okay. No, that, I did not think about that. I, I just I was thinking maybe there was... <laughs> Just a, a, too much heat coming off the pipe and creating a condensation sure. against the interior. But the room itself, uh, the utility room itself, stays kind of warm. But right. with the, with the with everything going on, okay. I just want to make sure I wasn't running down a, the wrong rabbit hole here to try and find a source. But yeah, um, but I, I would start I would up in the attic and take a look there first. Okay, and like I said, if there's a chase that, and and I know there's going to be that runs down for that pipe to be in, make sure that it's sealed up from the attic. Gotcha. Okay. That'll be perfect. I'll take a look at that. And, and I know there's no obstructions. I've uh, looked at it and, um, you know, take, you know, taking the, the, the pipe, the, the section off from the chase to make sure there was no obstructions going all the way sure. out to the, to the roof. But if that didn't get sealed back up properly, could that be contributing to it too? So I know yes. they use like uh, that aluminum tape up there in the attic. Okay, I will definitely go back in there and take a look before it gets too hot. Going to Baycliff, Greg. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Good afternoon, Jim. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to call you for a while now. I just got hung up, and uh, I wanted to compliment you guys on y'all's plumbing job y'all did for me out here at the house. Uh, I had that old. Uh, junky conventional hot water heater taken out and 
y'all put an on-demand in there for me, and that thing's been rocking and rolling, man. It's incredible. Oh, I recommend everybody out there get rid of those conventional hot water heaters and get you an on-demand one. And uh, I'll tell you what, they, they put that thing in. I took me a, about an hour and 45-minute long hot shower. And I use that new shower massage nozzle of mine, and man, I was in I was in hog heaven, I tell you. And uh, Alton came out here and assessed the situation, and they got that thing put in, and man, oh, incredible! Everybody needs one, I'm telling you. But uh, I had a question about it. What what kind okay. of life expectancy can I expect out of that thing? It, it, it is an electric one. It's all electric. Okay. I'll be, I have an all-electric one at my house as well. And uh, I got, out of the first one, uh, I got probably 12-plus years. Mm. Now, and I never I, I, did a thing to it. I, I, have, I had mine up in the attic. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, it was just there. <laughs> well, my, mine's inside the house, inside of a... The walk-in closet, and it's man, it's it's the size of a small suitcase, and that thing is incredible, I tell you. Yep. And uh, it, uh, uh, um, I had another question. This is kind of a dumb question, but uh, if I had it set to about a, I don't know, the temperature, you know, it's got that that digital dial gauge uh-huh. on it, and you set the temperature by it, and. I, I had it on about a hundred and I don't know about a hundred and twelve degrees, and I turned it up to about a hundred and thirty five and uh my question is um uh, does it use more electricity as you turn the temperature up on it Cause it's, it, it's not... still going to run regardless of what temperature it's on as long as you got that hot spigot on yeah it, it is it's going to run regardless. Uh, the biggest thing that happens is you're running your elements a lot hotter that way. Yeah. And so it can shorten the, the lifespan of them a little. Oh, can it? Okay. Well, you know, the master bath is is quite a long ways away from it. And it seems like I'm losing heat. The the the, the hot water in the front bathroom where, where that walk-in closet is is just adjacent to that front bathroom, and the water's a lot hotter in that bathroom than it is way in my master bathroom, which is way in the back of the house. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm using, losing some uh, some heat there. And that pipes, I've got commercial-grade PEX pipes underneath this house running the length of this house, and they're insulated, too. Uh, on top of that, but I'm just I'm, I'm losing heat off of it. But but uh, when I turned it up, I mean everything was just fine, you know. Just yeah. Fine, but... Well, there's nothing wrong with leaving it up. Yeah. Well, I don't want to shorten the lifespan of it. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm just wondering if you know make my electric bill go go up, no. putting it on 135 as opposed to 112 or 115. You know. No, nah, uh, your, your electric bill will be fine. Uh, but yeah. you, you are correct. You you get spoiled with those tankless water heaters. I mean, uh, I went you. I went to a, <laughs> a, a place with a forty gallon tank, and doggone, if I didn't run out of water the the first time I was using it. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, they, they did a great job. He slapped that thing in here, lickety split, and and uh, man, that thing's been working. It, it was about a, about a year ago they installed it. I've been meaning to call you, but. Uh, just gotten sidetracked with other sure. shit. 
Thank but, you, uh, sir. Of course, you know, I've, I've tested it out for yep. a good solid year, too. And that thing is, man, I'm telling you, it rocks and rolls. I'm telling you. But, I appreciate uh, man, it. Man, everybody needs it. Going to Clear Lake? Dan, this is Jim. How can I help you? Well, I've got about a 45-year-old house, and the, uh, the brick on one portion of the uh, driveway side is slowly walking off the foundation. It's it's about an inch off now. Okay. And uh, there's no evidence that the foundation is a problem. I think uh, years ago, somebody backed a trailer into a faucet and kind of moved the brick a little bit. Yep. But uh, I'm just wondering, uh, is that can that be easily repaired or... What are we looking at there? Do you have any idea? Yeah. Uh, you know, if it ever gets to the point where it's an issue, it can be repaired. But normally what's going to have to happen is they take the brick off and relay it. But be honest with you, if it's only overhanging an inch, you got about typically two and a half inches left to go before you got to worry about it. Okay. Uh but there's no way to push it back on the, say, uh, jacket back or into place. Uh, is, is, that a, is is there is there cracks or gaps anywhere? No. Well, there, there's a gap at the kitchen, uh, which is filled with uh, uh, caulking, just an expansion cap. Right. Uh, because as far as in the, order, as far as the as far as the brick is concerned, no gaps. Okay, because in, in order to be able to slide it, you'd have to have a gap somewhere to slide it to that you know that would close up. Okay, I was just thinking about pushing it back on the foundation. Yeah. Now, are you sure it's moved over the years? Because there's a lot of houses oh, that I've, were built where it's overhanging that way. No, there's no question about it. Okay. So when it gets about a couple of more uh, in the range of two inches. Then yeah, when it, if it moves another two inches, then then you got something to start. Hey, uh, let's look at what we need to do with this. And it, your okay. choices then are going to be you can put an angle iron steel beam under it that bolts into the grate beam, and the brick still sits on it, or just take it down and relay it. But just to give you some comfort here, you know, the brick is just a veneer, and it does have brick ties typically that tie into the wood frame of the house you can take yes, the brick off and your house is just fine okay but uh i'm afraid i can't find this particular white brick anymore it's it's right it's a nice white brick and uh it was well that's brick, why i say no what they would do is they would take it off uh clean it up and relay the same brick i see okay Okay, I guess I just need to get a brick person out to check it out. Uh, but I'm not going to worry about it for another year or two anyway. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.